It's the Bertcast. I'm Bert Carter. Bert, Bert, Bert Carter. Hey, I'm gonna try that again. I'm Bert Carter. That's good. I got it. Nailed it. So I'm talking about Pearl Jam. Their band, and I want to share my story about them. But first, a clip from the internet. Some Pearl Jam. So you know who I'm talking about. Freezing, see a little dawn, baby. Down my face, looking through the maple, though, and I did something that has never showed it. Oh, man, it's concrete. Oh, feeling, maybe he'll see a little now that something that has never shown it. Sands of weather, I'm a few and through the tween, all the better. That made me laugh. I'll, I'll put a link in the notes. That's from a channel called There I Ruined It. The video called What Pearl Jam Sounds Like to People Who Don't Like Pearl Jam. All right, now that I've shit on Pearl Jam, let me really get to shitting on Pearl Jam. Uh, as you, you all know, when I'm not being governor of your heart, I'm being a drummer. And as a drummer... I was really into Pearl Jam during the early, mid-90s. Uh, I cannot overstate uh, the importance of that band to me. Uh, continuing to play drums through the 90s, getting to 97 when I moved to San Diego to be a drummer, that was... Pearl Jam was one of the, one of the two or three bands that really... Uh, kept that fire going in me. Let's see a little little history on the band. Uh, you might not be surprised to know this. Pearl Jam's a Seattle band, mostly a Seattle band. Most of the guys were in another band that broke up when the singer overdosed and died. And then they started looking for a new singer, and they found Eddie Vedder out of a small town in uh, the south western part of the United States called San Diego. Uh, Eddie Vedder, uh, he, he, I don't know, he made a tape of a song he had for the music to Alive, sent it up there, they liked it, he moved up there, he joined the band. They wrote, wrote, the, wrote the album, uh, it's called Ten, their first album, a uh, huge, huge album, huge rock album. Uh, Dave Crisson was the name of the drummer at the time in the band. He's the one who wrote all the songs and recorded the songs with them in the studio. And I think as they were about to fly off to uh, wherever they're going to fly off to mix the album, he dropped out of the band because he had a drug problem. And he, I guess he had a kid on the way and he was... Uh, trying to get his life in order. So he left the band. Uh, another chap named Matt Chamberlain joined the band. He was in the band for almost a year. Uh, they finished, you know, making making the album. 
they released the album, it got up to the point where they were making the first music video. Uh, I believe the song was Alive. And uh, then he quit the band because he wanted to stay closer to his home and be more of a studio session drummer. Uh, or, uh, no, I think he wanted to be on uh, the Tonight Show band or something like that. He he wanted a regular gig where he wasn't touring or he wanted to be hired to, to play in the studio, but he didn't he didn't want to live life on the road, so he quit. But he knew this this dude named A A Dave Abruzzisi, a drummer he knew from his time in Texas. And uh Dave came and joined. Uh he joined right after uh or right around the time they're shooting their first music video. And so they really started blowing up Pearl Jam did uh, as these music videos came out. They, you know, catchy songs. Uh, everything after the first video had Dave Abruzzisi in the, uh, in the, in the drum chair playing the drums. Rat-a-tat-tat-tat. Uh, there's a show, there used to be this thing called Music Television, or MTV for short, and this used to be the place you'd go for music videos. Uh, before there was YouTube, uh, there wasn't really a lot of places to go for music videos, and so MTV was uh, justified because it did what no one else was doing, showed music videos, and they had this, uh, this segment, or the show called Unplugged. And the idea behind that was they would take performers and just give them acoustic guitars and have them do a show. And a lot of, a lot of great bands in the early 90s did that. You know, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Alice in Chains. I mean, LL Cool J did it. I mean, it was a genre-defying concept. And, you know, back in the day when there were rock bands that really played their instruments, it was a, it was a cool cool thing and that was the you know the first Pearl Jam show most of the people saw was the uh, the acoustic show and the drummer was back there and he was doing his thing and uh, that is uh, that show is firmly ingrained in my mind the first time I saw that I knew that that's what I wanted to do and up until then Tommy Lee from Motley Crue was the drummer that I looked up to the most and uh, Dave Abruzzisi dethroned him for for years. It wouldn't be uh, until, uh, let's see, Travis Barker from Blink-182 uh, dethroned Dave. So so you get an idea what I'm thinking about Dave. Dave Dave's the guy. Dave, Dave gave Pearl Jam their energy. He, you know, great technical chops, very musical with the the drumming that he did he was very very tasty very exciting uh he was there you know as they, they blew up real big off that first album and then he recorded the, the second album with the band you know wrote all the songs and recorded them uh huge huge band or sorry huge album that second one versus a lot of bitchin' badass rockers on that one and some cutesy little slower and acoustic songs uh you know went on tour kicked the world's ass again uh then the third album came out 
while they were working on the third album. Apparently that's when uh, Eddie, Eddie was in charge of everything musical. And things started to go wrong uh, for poor, poor Dave because Eddie wanted uh, some nice, simple drumming uh, hiding in the background while, while he uh, got to uh, be more in the front, uh, less competition from, from other people. And when they they ultimately kicked Dave out, the, the drummer they had, uh, Jack Irons. I believe is his name, originally from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, really, he's a good drummer, but goddamn, he's really uh, simple, real, real straight drumming, and I, I heard, you know, I heard rumors that, you know, the rest of the people in the band were like, come on, but Eddie's like, no, this guy's, this guy's the tits, he's just like, it's not even, it's like, he's not even in the band, this is great, it's the Eddie Vedder show, and if, if you can't tell, I'm gonna do a lot of shit on Eddie, Eddie... Eddie reminds me of the time I was in a I was in a punk band in the 2000s and uh, I was in the band with a self-proclaimed uh, Marxist communist and uh, I learned a lot about the shit that stupid people believe and I went through a lot of experiences that sound like what Dave went through in Pearl Jam so, well, I don't know if Eddie Vedder's like a full-blown communist or just a, a son of a bitch. Uh, I, I can share some of the stories. Like, like, uh, like we, we went off on a few tours and I got, I got shit for talking to the fans. The, the, they're like, hey, you... You like, you like, you like talking to people and like getting out there and like being a rock star. And like, we would just rather wear a, a, a hooded sweatshirt and just stand out in the back against the wall and watch the other bands play. And like, if one person recognized us and did a slight head nod, you know, that'd be all that we needed. But like, I'm a piece of shit because I like want to talk to people who came out to the show uh i don't know i don't know where that attitude came from i it reminds me there's this uh i think it's a john cusack movie where i i don't know what it is or what happened i just know the fallout from it apparently there's some scene in a movie where the, some people are going to go see a band and someone was wearing a shirt of the band they were going to go see to go see the band and some actor in some movie says, you don't wear the shirt of the band you're going to see to the concert. And that, for whatever reason, turned into a rule. Like, you don't, you don't go see a band and wear the shirt for that band to their concert. And, you know, there's nothing to that rule. That's, like, that's not a real rule. It's like, it's like a bullshit movie line. It's like trying to live your life by a, by a Quentin Tarantino uh, quote, you know, it's you know, no, it's just entertainment. So uh, I know I'm rambling here, but that's you know, kind of th for for whatever reason, uh, my friends in the punk rock band they, they got it in the in their heads that uh, talking to people who are fans of the music is in poor taste. If they had fun at the show, 
and you want to talk to them and share in that energy, you're, I don't know if I, if they think I was like trying to steal their soul or what, but it was, it was one of, you know, dozens and dozens of rules that didn't make any sense to me. So, um, and then, yeah, if you, if you go back and look at why Pearl Jam was unhappy with Dave, they're like, oh, he's comfortable being a rock star. And, you know, his, his, his take on the band was like, they, they'd be on the cover of every magazine. And then when the interview, they'd say, we don't like, we don't like getting out there. We don't like being in front of everyone, but you know, that's, that, I guess that's the thing is you, you say one thing, uh, you, you, you present the image you want, you, you, you live the way you want to live and then you say what you want to say and you don't worry about whether the two of them line up and then poor Dave, who's just the dude from Texas, who's like, no, I'm just gonna do what I think's fun. Um, at some point, something else. Well, we're talking about crazy uh, fantasy lifestyle things. Boy, I really got, I really got, uh, I don't know. It was, it was great. I was going to say, cause most people don't know what like Marxism is until you really meet someone who really gets it and is unapologetic and really asks, you know, really like there's the idea that once once you're in a Marxist world, people will become hyper-motivated. They'll work super hard. Not for money, but they'll work super hard because they're hyper-motivated. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? And You know, because the idea, if, if you think about it, it's like, okay, well, anyone can do anything they want. You can be a doctor. You can be a painter. You can be uh, a poet. You can scrub toilets. And when everyone does what they want to do, then we'll have the right number of doctors and toilet scrubbers and artists and poets and painters and the people who make money will make so much extra money to share that the people who are just poets will get all that extra money that's floating around because they're hyper-motivated. I'm like, what the fuck does this hyper motivated mean he, he didn't know it just all he knew is that once we got rid of capitalism then everyone was gonna fucking work their asses off because it was the right thing to do and you know i just knew that he wasn't working his ass off never dreamt of working his ass off uh left his his base amp at a show once and we went home and he didn't bring it home he just left it there so he called the bar early the next day. They weren't open yet because it was like 9 in the morning. So he called his parents, asked for money, went off to Guitar Center, bought himself a new amp, and then called the, the club in the afternoon when they opened. And they're like, yeah, your amp's right here, right where you left it. So, you know, that that's the lifestyle that he lid, lived, but his message was always... Uh, Life would be better once capitalism was gone and people were just working really hard. So uh, that's got me thinking about like Pearl Jam went to war with Ticketmaster. Uh, for those who haven't been to a show, Ticketmaster is 
the place you go to buy tickets to go see bands in like arenas and clubs and things like that. And, you know, Ticketmaster, they, they do all kinds of stuff like, you know, you know, know how many seats there are in the venue and one person buys a ticket and then there's a ticket with a barcode that lets you in, uh, keeps track of all that stuff. They can do refunds. So like, let's say you're a Eddie Vedder in Pearl Jam and you've got a problem with getting drunk and you cancel shows, uh, you're going to want refunds and, it's not that like Ticketmaster is making more money off of giving refunds. So they got to, you know, they got to charge money for all the, uh, the stuff that they're doing because they're doing a, running a business. And Pearl Jam decided that Ticketmaster was charging too much money. And so they, they went in front of Congress and testified that. And they actually, I think they created their own ticket thing. They're like, well, we're such badasses that we're just going to, while we're the biggest band in the world, just not use the biggest ticket seller in the world. We're just going to make up our own shit. Our, our own, you know, I got a nephew who who knows how to sell tickets. You know, they might as well said, oh, arenas cost too much. Uh, we're going to not book in arenas. I got a nephew know who knows how to uh, build arenas. We're just going to have my nephew build arenas, you know, for, for how stupid the plan was. Because there's all kinds of problems with him getting drunk and canceling shows and no one getting refunds, you know, they, they tried to build their own Ticketmaster and fucked a lot of people uh, out of their money over it. But, you know, couldn't tell them because they knew the right thing to do. And meanwhile, while all that's is going on, Dave, the, uh, the drummer from Texas, was like, dude, there's a lot of, there's a lot of more serious injustices in the world we could be uh, talking about than this. So they, while the man was testifying in front of Congress, he was in Indonesia. Dave was living his life, being happy. And so, uh, this is this is if if you if you haven't gotten the moral of the story now, if if you're a band and you fuck with the drummer, uh, expect to get uh, shit talked on the Burt cast. So at some point they uh, they let Dave know that they're looking for another drummer, and then uh, he was pissed. The band told the press that he quit or that they they separated amicably, but it wasn't amicable. He was not happy. Everyone in the band, apparently except for Eddie, called him up. Uh, let's see what else. Um, I'm going to have a drink of water. Uh, was it t a couple decades after this, uh, Pearl Jam was uh, inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they they uh, inducted the the current drummer, the, the drummer for, um, for Soundgarden. He joined in like 98, 1998 that is. Uh, after Jack Irons uh, left. Uh, and so they, they inducted the band Pearl Jam and that guy, um, the, the, the current drummer they have. And uh, they also included the first drummer who played on the first album. And Dave was unhappy, Dave Abrazizi, 
because he's like, well, hey, I was, I joined when Pearl Jam was nothing and was there for the rise to fame. I was on, you know, I recorded on two of their biggest albums. You know, they got three big albums. And I, he's like, I recorded on two of those things. Why aren't I inducted? I, you know, Pearl Jam's big on, on fighting injustices. Let's see. I'll, I'll give him a shot to, uh, to do the right thing and push to have me inducted. And, uh, I, I believe Pearl Jam tweeted out that all of the drummers are invited to the ceremony, <laughs> which is not what, uh, Dave Abrazizi wanted. He, he was not asking for an invitation, a, a ticket to the show, or even a chance to maybe even stand on the stage uh, while not being inducted into the Hall of Fame. So he, uh, I don't know, he wasn't, he wasn't happy about that. And I, I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is bullshit anyway, for reasons like that. So... Let's see. I think, let's see. Do I got any more notes? I think that was um, all I got to say on Pearl Jam. I know they've been putting out albums since Dave left. I know I've heard some of the albums since Dave left. Uh, I liked Yield a lot. Yield was uh, the album, I believe the first album with Jack Irons on drums. Um, and I haven't gotten into any albums since then. So let's say, let's say, what is that? 97 or so, 96, 98, somewhere in there was the last Pearl Jam album I heard that grabbed me enough to listen to it again. And I'll say that, uh, Dave was the best drummer in that band for, for 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 the music um that i liked uh why am i forgetting the name of uh of uh of the of the drummer now i'm gonna google this real quick uh cameron matt cameron before it comes up and i remembered it now it's matt cameron i don't see it now he's also from san diego uh he joined uh soundgarden like I said, was was in that band until that band was no more. Uh, and I'm a huge Matt Cameron fan. I don't want to say he's not phenomenal. He's absolutely phenomenal. But uh, Pearl Jam, uh, they one one of the examples of uh, the offstage uh, smugness and general shitty humanity of some of the band members overshadowing um, the music. So that's it. I think I've sufficiently shit on Eddie Vedder. Uh, good enough. What are we, 23 and a half minutes in on the podcast? Should I should I play that Pearl Jam thing again? It, it made me smile. I'm going to do it again. And if you don't like it, you can go fuck yourself. Maybe he'll see a little, not as on the 
sense of whether I'm a few to the queen or the better Saturdays So there you have it. That's that's my shit talk. That's enough shit talking for one night. I'm going to go step on a kitten. Thanks for tuning in. You bastards are the best.